I'm already enjoying all the Christmas music that we're uh, celebrating the season with, and I'm not always quite so ready to celebrate Christmas this early. I know a lot of you are, and I'm glad that that's you. I kind of like to wait a little bit longer, but I have to admit, this year I've been ready to celebrate Christmas earlier. I was kind of even pushing my wife, Shannon, to get the tree up and get things decorated even earlier than normal, kind of caught her by surprise. And I think we just know that in the year 2020, even the Grinchiest and the coldest of hearts are ready to have a break from all of that and to celebrate the season of Christmas. And it's not the first Christmas that weary human hearts have longed for in the midst of challenging times. In fact, you probably are familiar with the Christmas song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, written in 1943. In the middle of World War II, it was written to honor soldiers who were fighting overseas at that time. And it's being written from the perspective of uh, an American soldier who's writing this letter back home. And he's asking his family to make preparations for him as he comes home for Christmas. He wants them to have presents and mistletoe and, and, uh, and presents under the tree. And, and then the song kind of ends in sort of a sad way. He says, and I'll be home for Christmas, even if only in my dreams. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been so far away from home and that you missed it so badly that you even found yourself dreaming about it? Maybe some of you have been those men and women who were serving our country uh, overseas at Christmas time, or maybe you were on the other side of that. You were the family that was here with family over there, and so maybe you understand what that's like. I, I wonder today if you've ever really experienced true homesickness. You know, homesickness hits our hearts when we realize that we're a long way from home and that we've been from home now a longer period of time than we're comfortable with. Can I ask you a question, too? What, what if today... You're far away from the one who loves you the most, and you don't even realize it. What if you have drifted further from your heavenly Father, and you're unaware maybe because you've been distracted by the things around you, or maybe discouragement has been so strong in your life, and you haven't even really realized that you're not as close to God as you once were. Would you say that you're closer to God today than you were a week ago? Are you closer to God today than you were six months ago or even a year ago? I'm asking you that question because if you're far from God today, you're not as close to God as you've been, I, I think it's a good thing that we could realize that today because maybe in realizing that today, it sends a signal from our minds to our hearts and causes us to realize that we really are homesick for our Heavenly Father. I want to ask you, don't you want to go home for Christmas? I don't mean home with your earthly loved ones. That's a blessing for sure. And if you have loved ones here that you'll celebrate Christmas with, what a blessing that is. And I pray you won't take that for granted. I know there's people in our church family that this will be a difficult Christmas, and they're in our prayers most definitely. But, but I'm talking about, don't you want to go home for Christmas in terms of being with God? You see, when I'm talking about going home for Christmas, I'm not even talking about heaven. Heaven's not our home. God is our home. God lives in heaven, and that's where we're going to be with God one day. But Moses understood that God is our home. He said, it's in you that we live and we move and we have our very being. I love the way the psalmist says it in Psalm chapter 91. 
Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. So listen, if if God is our home, here's the good news. We don't have to wait until we die to go home. God is with us now. We can run home to God today and find ourselves where our hearts are belong to be and desire to be and that's not something that we merely have to dream about it's our reality as the sons and the daughters of God in fact the writer of Hebrews says that we're to boldly approach the throne of God that we can find mercy and help in our time of need what an incredible heavenly father we have who actually commands us to run boldly burst through the door boldly and approach his throne of grace can you just imagine that can you See that? That Almighty God today is saying to you, I want you to come home, to run home without any hesitation. Now listen, I want to say this. In saying that, I don't want to minimize in any way the the greatness or the holiness of God. In, In fact, I want us to be reminded today that the only reason, the only way that we're able to run boldly to the throne of grace is because God loved us even when we were sinners. And he sent his only son, Christ, into the world who paid the price for our sin at the cross that we might have the righteousness of God given to us as a free gift of God's grace through faith. And I want to be clear about that because sometimes today we hear a lot of talk about God's love but without any thought for what God has done for us so that we might know that love. And so when I talk about running and boldly approaching the throne of grace of God today, I'm not trying to minimize His greatness and His holiness. No, quite the contrary. I want to magnify that and I want to celebrate that because that is true because of what Christ has done at the cross. And you need to know, by the way, that when you approach God that way, when you come boldly to Him, bursting into the throne room of grace, you need to know that your Heavenly Father doesn't respond like a lot of our earthly fathers might be inclined to respond. In fact, that's, that's what I want us to talk about first today. If today you get a good case of homesickness for God and you decide that today's going to be the day that you run home to Him, boldly approaching His throne, then what should you expect will happen next? Well, let me tell you three things that I think you can expect if you run home to God today. And we want to look at Luke chapter 15 today and Jesus is telling this story in Luke chapter 15. I'm sure you're familiar with it. You've heard it before many times, probably. I want to pick that up in verse 11. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son, notice it only took a few days, he packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land, And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, 
And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned alive. He was lost, but now he was found. And so the party began. And and I want to stop right there because in the text leads us to the focus being on the older brother. And that's a whole other sermon for another day. But what I want you to see here is I believe Jesus is giving us a glimpse of what it looks like when those of us who run away from God or drift away from God, we finally get homesick and we return to God. This is what we can expect. Let me tell you three things. Number one, you can expect God's patience. You can expect God's patience. Look at verse 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Maybe the implication of that is the father had never stopped waiting patiently for his son to come walking down that road, to turn down the family driveway there. Never stopped patiently waiting. I can imagine that maybe the father had kept the blinds open on the front room of the house. So every time he passed by, he could take a peek out and see if he might see his son coming home. When he was out and about in the fields around the house, maybe he would find himself oftentimes looking down the driveway, down the road, waiting patiently for his son to come home. I imagine he probably kept a lantern lit out on the front porch every night, waiting patiently for his son to come home. That's what a loving father with a wayward son's going to do. He's going to keep his eyes on the horizon, waiting patiently for his son to come home. Now, what I know about God's love that I've experienced in my own life, but more importantly, what I understand about God's love from God's word is that's how God is towards sinners who come home to God. God is not right now gone about his business being God and all but forgotten about you. He's not busy being God with a switch stuck in his back pocket ready to wear you out when you finally come home. No, he's patiently waiting for you to come back home. The psalmist says, I can't even number the thoughts, God, that you have toward me. I don't know where you are today or what got you where you are today, but I want you to know that God is patiently waiting for you to come home. Come home for Christmas, and he's waiting patiently for you. Why don't you do that today? Why don't you come home for Christmas? And I believe you can expect that you'll find God is patient. Secondly, you can find that God is a passionate God. And I want us to see God's passion here. Verse 20, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, and he embraced him. And he kissed him. Just underline some of those key words there. Notice that he's filled. The father's filled with love, filled with compassion. The old man runs to his son. He embraced his son and he kissed his son. This father is not stoic. He is not emotionally detached. He's not cool and aloof. He is not reserved in any way in his displays, even public displays of love and affection. And I believe that's how God is about his sons and his daughters. God's 
one and only Son sent from heaven to earth, Jesus, as he entered into the baptismal waters there at the Jordan, his father broke through the clouds with his great voice and said, this is my boy, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. And one day, you and I will hear God express his love for us publicly in many of the same sort of ways. We may hear him say, well done, this is my boy, this is my daughter, this is my servant, in whom I'm well pleased. There's a good chance that you haven't had an earthly dad like that. In fact, many of us have had good dads, but let's be honest, even the best of earthly dads don't even begin to compare to our Heavenly Father. I I cannot begin to describe to you today how passionate God is about you and how deep His love is for you. Why don't you come home for Christmas? I'm telling you, if you've had any reservations about leaving where you are and coming back to God, let those reservations be. Fade away. Today, you come running home to God, you will find God, and you'll find His patience and His passion. The third thing that you'll find is God's pardon. Notice verse 21. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. The son comes running home, and he's a nasty, smelly mess, and he just vomits his sin all over his father here. And and what's the father do? Notice what he says, verse 22. His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Hadn't even cleaned the boy up yet. And he's bringing the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. And there, I think, we again, we see the anticipation of the father who's waiting patiently for his son to come. He's been fattening this calf for this moment. Then he says, we must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. You see, Jesus has already paid for our sin. The pardon is available at the cross. Jesus died for your sin and for my sin. And when we come running home to our Heavenly Father, we don't get what we deserve. We get what Jesus deserves for having lived a perfect life. Because at the cross, Jesus got what we deserve because of our sin. Jesus paid the price for our sin and we get the pardon. That's what you can expect if you come home. God today. You'll get his patience and you will get his passion and you will get his pardon. Now quickly, I just want to tell you what you need to do to be able to come home to God today. The first thing is this, you got to come to your senses. Look at verse 16. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses. When he finally woke up and realized what an idiot he had been. Maybe right now you just pray with me, dear Lord Jesus, help me to not be an idiot. You know, sometimes that's a a prayer that we just need to pray, isn't it? Because so many times we've convinced ourselves that things will be better for me if I don't run to God, but if I just keep running away from God. Why do we foolishly believe that lie? Why do we foolishly believe that life is somehow better apart from God rather than in fellowship with God? Listen, coming home to God requires first that we come to our senses. Why don't you come home for Christmas? And then after you come 
to your senses. Number two, come clean. The son says to his father, Father, I have sinned. Now I want you to notice when the son says, Father, I have sinned. He, he says that, I believe, with his toes and his face pointed toward his father. Where he's been and all that mess and sinful living is behind him. and He's got his back to all that. His face now is pointed toward his father. That's really coming clean. That's real confession. That's real repentance. But oftentimes, that's not what we do, is it? Oftentimes, we, we don't turn our back to our sin. We don't put our face toward God. In fact, we just kind of want to stay facing our sin. And we'll just sort of back up to God, right? And we'll just stick our hand out and say, God, just, just give me a blessing, Lord. Just help me. But we have no intention of turning our face toward God. No intention of turning away from our sin. That's not true confession. That's not true repentance. We just want to somehow hang on to the benefits of God while we continue to indulge ourselves in the things that we're using to replace God in our life. That's, that's not coming clean. That's counterfeit confession. That's not repentance. That's trying to rip God off and manipulate God. Coming home and coming clean means that we have to turn our back from that other place and from that other stuff. And we come home, we come clean. That means that we leave our sin as fast as we can. And we come running home to God even faster. Listen, and even then, we're still going to struggle with sin. Sin's still going to try to grab a hold of our hearts and our lives. But it's our responsibility to do what we can by God's grace to keep our toes and our face Pointed toward our Heavenly Father. You know, there's a penalty that we have now in football that hasn't always been around called horse collaring. You probably know what that is. A person with the ball can be running down the field and a defender comes running up behind him as fast as he can. And all he can grab a hold of is the, the back of his shoulder pads right behind his neck. And he puts all of his body weight on that and pulls the person down. It's a penalty because it could seriously injure a player to get horse collared like that. Well, listen, sometimes even when we're going the right direction in our life, even when we're pursuing the Lord, sin is still going to sometimes come up and grab a hold of us, sometimes even knock us down. But in that moment, God will come and he'll pick us up and dust us off and we can continue to pursue the Lord. Listen, I want to say to you today, if you don't have any sin, if you don't struggle with sin, this church family is not the place for you. This is the place where we we struggle with sin. We all do. We're all struggling to become really good at repenting, to turn as quickly as we can from our sin and our mess and to run home to our Heavenly Father. And what we want to do here at Grace Life in this local body of believers is that we want to chain ourselves in fellowship to each other so that if I decide I'm going to turn from God and go back to that pigsty, I got to drag the rest of my church family along with me. That's why we need each other. God will use us in each other's life to keep us from going to the pigsties in life. So why don't you come home for Christmas? Come to your senses and come clean. Confess and repent and chain yourself to brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to help you walk with the Lord. And then lastly, number three, come celebrate. Come celebrate. Verse 22, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must 
celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned alive. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. You know, Pastor Mike reminds us often that we, we come here on Sundays and we're celebrating Easter every Sunday. Every Sunday we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But as we gather, we're not only celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, we're celebrating our resurrections as well. No, not just our future resurrection where these bodies are going to be raised up, but we're celebrating the resurrection that we've already experienced as the people of God. That through faith in Christ, God has already buried our sins in the death of Christ, and he's raised us up now to walk in a new life. We get to hear that phrase every Sunday as we see people follow the Lord in believer's baptism. We're celebrating that resurrection. That's what this father is doing here in this story, and that's what we ought to be doing as the people of God. When we gather together in the presence of the Lord, this is a celebration. We're celebrating that we are the sons and daughters of God. He has raised us from sin and death to life and to fellowship with himself. So why don't you come home for Christmas? The war's been won. You can come home this Christmas. And not only in your dreams. God's been waiting patiently for you to come to your senses and to come clean and to join the celebration. So why don't you? Why don't you come home for Christmas? It doesn't matter where you are or what you've done or how long you've been away from the Lord, you can come home to God today. You can come home because Jesus left his home to come into this world so that you could come home to God. This world made no home for him, but he is your home. Why don't you come home for Christmas? He was born in a manger so that you could live in the shelter of the Most High God. Christmas time, we sing that beautiful Christmas carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful. I thought about that song this week, and I, I had this thought that came to my mind. Well, if only the faithful are invited to come home, then who's coming home? There's none among us who have been faithful to God. If complete faithfulness to God is what is required to come home, I've never met anybody that's qualified to come home to God then. God's invitation to come home today is not to the faithful. It's to the unfaithful. To people like me and you. People like all of us. Like the prodigal. The unfaithful. The unstable. The guilty. The weary. The weak. The broken. The bitter. That's you. You're invited to come home for Christmas. Let's pray. God, we bow our hearts before you and we confess that we've not been faithful to you. But you have and forever will be faithful to us. We are the unfaithful and unstable, weak, weary, broken and bitter prodigals. And yet you're calling us today to come home. Your grace is greater than all of our sin. Your mercy is deeper than all of our mess. And we're grateful that we have a place of rest and refuge and shelter, a home in you, God. 
And I pray that every person under the sound of my voice today will come home to a right relationship with Almighty God today. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, what he's already accomplished at the cross, that we would turn from our sin, turn from our selfishness today, run home and boldly burst through into your throne of grace, that we could find mercy and help today in our time of need. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' good name we pray. Amen.